0: Okay, hey, tonight we're in Psalms 58, since Titus took my 57. And it seemed like when I was watching him, he said something about he appreciated when I was gone. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> Sorry. No? Say what you mean, that's okay. Uh, I've, I've got the floor tonight, I'll get you back. No, <laughs> uh, But we are in Psalms 58, and, and this is actually a... Uh, As I got to studying this one, I really like this one for several different reasons, but um, it's another song of David, and it's David talking to a group of individuals, talking about a group of individuals, talking to God about these individuals of what he thinks uh, should be done, and I think there's a lot of relevant things that uh, uh, we could get out of this psalm for us today. Let's begin with uh, uh, verses 1 and 2. He says, do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent ones? Do you judge uprightly, you sons of men? No, in your heart you work wickedness. You weigh out the violence of your hands in the earth. Now, as you, you think about these first couple of verses, depending on what version translation you have, is depending on how it's worded, uh, I actually think, does the ESV, I think, say, uh, you gods? I think it says you gods, lowercase gods, right? Uh, Some say uh, rulers. Uh, Some versions say rulers. the New King James, of course, says uh, you silent ones. I believe he is talking about uh, the rulers of that time. Uh, Probably more specifically during uh, what some scholars believe, during the time when Saul had his council, and, and everything was. Some think it's during Absalom's uh, uh, rebellion. Uh, many believe it's during when Saul was in pursuit of David, and David and Saul was, uh, you know, kind of on the outs during this. And this council, these rulers that are meeting, as, has uh, pretty well labeled David a, a, a treason, uh, committing treason, and, and kind of labeling him at that. And this is his response to these rulers, these governing bodies, of how they're supposed to be one way, but they're doing something else. He's saying, you know, you're supposed to be righteous, but how can you be righteous when you're silent on this subject, when you're not standing for what's right? You're not actually doing what you're supposed to do in the office that you're supposed to be in. Does that sound familiar to anything? You know, when you think about rulers, you think about governing bodies. You think about, you know, our rulers today. You know, they're... They're there for a reason. They're there for a purpose. It's set up for a purpose, and it's set up for that purpose under God, isn't it? God set it up that way. Um, If you read, go to Romans 13, notice what Paul says here. He says, "...let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on himself." So Paul begins, and this is where we usually think about what our responsibility is toward our our governing bodies, but you also got to read into this too what Paul is saying here and see how it complements what David is saying, what that governing body's responsibility is, what they're supposed to do. Notice he goes on here, "...for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority?" Uh, Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So we got to understand in the context he's, he's describing our responsibility toward those ruling bodies, but he's also saying this is what the ruling body's responsibility is too. This is what God set them up for. And David here, as he says this, notice, he says, Do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent ones? Do you judge uprightly, you sons of men? No, in your, in your heart you work wickedness. You weigh out the violence of your hands in the earth. So he's referring to these ruling bodies, and if it is in reference to how they're treating him, or not standing up for the righteousness of what he's supposed to be doing, and they're labeling him as as being a person of treason and, and with Saul and everything that's going on, David is saying, I believe, that you're in this position because God has placed you there. And if God has placed you there, you have a responsibility. And I think he's being a little sarcastic here, I think. Notice how he says, do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent ones? How do you speak righteousness if you remain silent? Can you do that? I mean, how do do you stand up for righteousness if you're not saying anything? Maybe he's thinking they they cowered uh, uh, in the presence of Saul and not standing up and saying what what needs to be said to Saul. Uh, Maybe they're just going along with it. Um, And I think that's one thing that you see sometimes. Uh, Do you think morality follows leadership? I mean, think about that. Do you think... A, 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 whether it's a, a city, a, a town, whether it's a country, whether it's a civilization, whatever it is, do you think that morality follows the kind of morality of the leadership? Yeah, I, I think it does. I think that's what you see throughout the Old Testament, even the book of Judges. When they had a good king, what did, they, what did Israel do? Did they do good? What did they do if they had a wicked king? You know, did they kind of follow that? You know, as... You know, John has done several lessons in talking about the difference in restoration and reformation. He said, you know, each time they came back, they started out here, then they got down here. When they come back, they never got quite back up to where they were. And I think sometimes that's what takes place is your morality seems to trickle down from, from leadership. It, it could be leadership in the church. It could be leadership in you know in, in the world in general. Once it goes down,
1: it's very difficult to go up again. Yeah.
0: well I I couldn't remember even as a kid which as you get older you start thinking about things like that even what you seen on TV the difference in what you would see then and what you see now what's acceptable now well what changed what what desensitized us throughout the years to where now this is okay you know uh, I can remember when they really started labeling uh, things of, of whether it's music and things of like this, I, I remember my first thought is that's just an excuse to be able to put out whatever you want to put out. Well, we got a label on it, so it doesn't matter, you know.
2: You know
0: uh oh. Now, what is it that you disagree a little bit about? Well,
2: I disagree with saying that it's never going to improve. Yeah. Um, well, no society
0: has ever improved. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I, I don't know I don't know what it takes. Yeah, right. It's
2: possible with God.
0: Yeah, and, and what you can see in, and I think as we get in, as David describes, he, he starts in by... I think it's interesting he starts in like he's talking to these individuals and now he's realizing and I think the way he describes them is they've got to a point where they're not going to change and I think you start you're gonna see in how he describes them of why he believes that that there's no use talking to them because there's a point I think there is a point with individuals whether it's with sin whether it's with uh, morality or something that we get hardened to where there's not a turning point where we don't turn back. Uh, what that point is, I don't know. You know, God talks about how uh, uh, certain individuals, it's impossible to turn them again to the truth. You know, it's hard for me to, to picture someone get to the point where they're no longer reachable. And we like to think everybody's reachable, but there gets a point where somebody's not. And, and how do they get to that? Bill, you had some. Oh, yeah, I think, I think there has to be something. I mean, you think of, you just take David. And here's where I, I guess when I started reading and studying this psalm, I, I guess I was a little bit conflicted because I get... I can't figure out sometimes the place of a Christian when it comes to governing government bodies. You know, we like to complain. I, I'm, I'm a complainer. I, I, you know, I, I can get in there with the best of them. We were listening to some uh, young men and right outside of vancouver where we're eating breakfast talking about politics and how bad things were getting and one of them is just saying i hate to change politics but things have got i'm thinking yeah things do and i told tanya i said reckon i can go over and get in that conversation that might be pretty good to get into and see see what you can get stirred up a little bit but you wonder well how far do you take that well you see things that paul talks about romans how what that government is you hear, you read things about to honor the king and we need to honor that position but then you see how david gets to where he says, okay, when, when rulers get to a point where they're, they're just wicked and changing, you've got to say something. You've got to do something. You know, I, I, you've got to, but what do you do? And as David does here, he, he gets to this point, and I think it's personal to him because I think it's about him. I, I think this psalm is about what these governing bodies are deciding about David and him being on the run and Saul after him. So I believe it's a little personal to David, but he's saying now, you know, you're not going to stand up, so here, here's where you're at, and here's how I see you. And as Blake was saying, you take David, the times that David admitted that he was wrong, you look and see what he was facing, the consequences that he was going through. And sometimes it does take a person getting down to... Um, rock bottom to realize that they're that they're going to change it has to be some event something to and i've heard people say that about becoming a christian oh they just became a christian because this happened to them well what's wrong with that (laughs) you know so it may took this for this individual to become a christian
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at Pharaoh. Did Pharaoh's heart ever change, even because he let the people go? It didn't change. He chased them. He went. I mean, to his death. Uh, I mean, his his heart was hardened. And you know, and, and people struggle with that. Well, he didn't have a choice. It says that God hardened his heart. Well, how did God harden his heart? How's God harden our heart? I think the same way when we're presented with a choice to do the right thing or not do the right thing when uh, faced with what God wants us to do, and we refuse to do it, does that harden our heart? Is, is that God hardened it because we're presented with that choice? Um, but anyway, when you see here, as David goes on and describes, let's, let's look a little bit and see how he describes these individuals. Starting in verse 3, he said, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They're like the deaf cobra that stops its ears, which will not heed the voice of charmers, charming ever so skillfully. I I, I think here gives us a clue now. David goes from talking to these individuals to talking about and describing them. I think this is where it becomes where a Christian has to say something. When a person gets to a point or appears to get to a point where there's no change in them, so you have to call that out in essence. There has to be some change need to be made on their part to try to change, change the situation. And, and here's, here's where I'm getting that. Notice he said here, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born. Now, I've heard some take this and, and talk about, uh, uh, you know, you're born in sin, because it says here, they, they were like this from birth, from the womb. I don't believe that's what David is saying here, just like they take Psalm 51, some versions take it out of context, uh, uh, of what David says. I think what he's saying is, this has been their disposition from the beginning. They started out early, and they've never changed since. They're, they're, they're not wanting to do any better. They're not going to do any better. It's just like Jesus telling them, you're you're of your father, and he was a liar from the beginning. You know, it's the frame of mind and the morality of these individuals that, especially in these governing bodies, that what their intention is, is just to do immoral things. Their their intention is to do wickedness. As he says here, they're poisoned like the poison of a serpent. They're like a deaf cobra. What's he mean by that? They're like a deaf cobra who doesn't listen, who doesn't stop, who who stops its ears for the charmer. What what does, you know, you see these snake charmers or these cobras, and they're supposed to be in kind of control of them. What David is saying is, it's not going to listen. You're not going to stop this one. Their their whole purpose is to produce that poison. And they're not going to listen to anything. They're not going to listen to who they're supposed to. So can you imagine, as bad as maybe we think it is today, can you imagine actual rulers that that is their sole purpose is to cause pain and destruction to those that are around them. And I think that's what David is getting at here. He said, here's what we're facing. You're not standing up for truth. You're supposed to be righteous because God is the one who placed these governing bodies in the position to do what they're supposed to do. And we have a responsibility to them, but they also have a responsibility of the position that they're placed in there. So it's the position that that you honor, you've you, you got to be careful to, to recognize that there are going to be individuals in powerful positions that's just in it for themselves. And, and this is true from, from a, a household, to a church, to whatever, anybody in any kind of leadership position that's not doing the right thing. Get it. You've got to mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean you think, and I've, I've, I've probably said it, I'm sure I've said it many times, I've heard it many times, if, if you put it on a congregational level, you know, you look at congregation, boy that, that uh, they're liberal because of this preacher, look, look at what he's preaching, well, is that really where the fault lies, is it the preaching or is it the leadership, the preaching wouldn't be that if the leadership was what it should be, you know, or if they had it to begin with, you know. So you see, that's what I was getting at earlier about how morality follows leadership, and I think that's why God takes that seriously when it comes to leadership in the church, the qualifications that's there, uh, the leadership as far as government, uh, what a person should be in, in those positions, because you're responsible for those individuals that follow you, and that's an awesome responsibility. And if you're not in it for the right reasons, if you're your your intentions is corrupt to begin with, as David is saying here. There's not going to be any good that comes from that, and and it can be a very, uh, uh, a very hard thing. And that's what I believe David is dealing with. Uh, some say he even wrote this, kind of scribbled this on when he was hiding in the cave, uh, and you can almost picture David's anguish of, of, I guess feeling alone, and now now it's official. they they're, they're Really against me. They're going to come pursuing me now because they've had this meeting on it. They didn't stand up like they're supposed to, you know, and speak out when Saul is, is, is so filled with vengeance against me. And they're supposed to be righteous, and they just sit there silently, didn't say anything. So now he's officially a, a treason, I guess, you know. So now, I guess this is becoming official to David as far as his running and, and thing. Before it was just, I, I think maybe Saul being vengeful. Now it's that vengefulness is getting into a, a, a official capacity to where um, David is really coming down on these leaders for that and some of the things that they're doing. He goes on, notice what he says now. So he, he, he's talking to him and he says, this is what they're about, this is what they're not doing and here's why they're not doing it and now he's going to get in and, and, and talking to God of, This is what needs to be done, and this is what God is going to do. Notice some of the language he uses here, starting in verse 6. Break their teeth in their mouth, O God. Break out the fangs of young lions, O Lord. Let them flow away as waters which run continually. When he bends his bow, let his arrows be as if cut in pieces. Let them be like a snail which melts away as it goes, like a stillborn child of a woman that they may not see the sun. Before your pots can fill the burning thorns burning thorns he shall take them away as with a whirlwind as in his living and burning wrath. The righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance he shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked so that men will say surely there is a reward for the righteous surely he is God who judges in the earth. Whew, that's pretty rough, isn't it? I mean what's that? What's that? Um uh, yeah, I, I, maybe. I, I don't think David is going for revenge. That's what it sounds like on the surface, but as you, if you put this with some other things, I think it goes back to not vengeance but vindication. And, and I, that's a fine line to tread. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that'd be a hard line to walk. I think we could very easily, and I think David, You know, and in some of this, he may be turning to that a little bit, just because the situation now that he finds himself more. But if you if you couple this with other scriptures, uh, Christians have always cried out to God, when when is our when are you going to avenge our blood? You know, David here I think gives the picture of okay, the things he's talking about here. You look, he's talking about the. The implements or the power in which these individuals have, and in telling God to stop that. Whether it's their teeth, whether it's the bowl that they're doing, whether you know uh, the water, you know, look how much damage a water can do. But he's he's talking about receding that water. Okay, he's talking about get the pot before it gets hot enough that a whirlwind takes everything that they're going to use against the righteous. He's telling God, take that away and stop it. And then he describes it like walking on a battlefield after this great battle, and now there's this victory, and you're walking through the battlefield, and there's just bodies everywhere of the one, the enemy, the wicked, that is fighting against you, and you're wading through that. Well, what kind of feeling would you have of that? You've got these individuals that's trying to destroy you. There's this great battle that's ensuing. The battle's over, and you're victorious walking through. What would you feel? Would it be sadness because you're wading through blood? Would it be relief? Would it be vindication? Would it be celebration? You know, I, Jeff, you have something? Oh. Break their teeth. Yeah. Shut them up. Yeah, shut them up. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about what their power is of the things in which they're going to use to accomplish their wicked deeds. He's telling God to stop that. And then he's, he's, he's picturing, a to me, a battlefield after it's over with. The victory is going to be God's. I mean, that, that's an assurity. And now they're wading through the blood of the, the wicked. And this sounds just morbid. There's got to be a sense of vindication there. There, there has to be this sense of all of this suffering, all this pain, everything that they've done, you're, you're finally seeing that end judgment of righteousness wins. And, it, and it's not man's righteousness, it's, it's God's righteousness. Um, did I put Deuteronomy in there? I was thinking about it. I, don't, I didn't remember if I put it in there or not. Notice what, what he said uh, about, about this. Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today and go into the uh, uh, disposes nation greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the descendants of the Anakim, uh, whom you know and of whom you heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak? Therefore understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you, Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But it's because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from uh, before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess this land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you. And that they may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore understand that the Lord your God has not given this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. And here's where I think sometimes it's hard to separate this. There's things God does to our enemies, not because of what we're doing, but because of their wickedness. It's not because of how great we are and what some you know, wonderful being we are and how righteous we are, it's because of their wickedness. God doesn't forget the person's wickedness. And he's going to take care of that wickedness. So this victory is, when it comes to this battle, it's between God and the, the wickedness, and the ultimate wickedness is Satan. I mean, think about this. What, what is hell created for? Was it created for mankind? What did it say it was created for? The devil and his angels. Right? Why are we a part of this now? Because we may follow that, right? We follow after that. It, it was created because devil Satan is not going to change. That's the ultimate enemy. Everything else trickles down for that. But Satan is the ultimate enemy. That's why hell is created. That, that's, that's what it's awaiting. They're awaiting that judgment. Well, during this process, this battle, as Paul said, it's not flesh and blood. It's spirit, isn't it? It, it, It's good and evil battle. It's God against the wickedness, and God's going to win against the wickedness. The things he does against the wicked is not because of us, it's because of the wickedness. Now, where we fit into this, who are we going to serve during this? Are we going to be on God's side, or are we going to be on Satan's side of it? And we know what Satan's side's going to end with. So during all of this, that's where I think we can take the vengeance out of it, is to know that God is going to punish the wicked. And by punishing the wicked, that automatically vindicates the righteous, but it's not through our righteousness, it's through God. God is who makes us righteous. We're not holy, we're holy because we do what God says to do. God makes us holy. So during all of this, that, that's where we have to, to realize there's going to be this, this, at the end, the vindication is coming. That, I mean, it's, it's like us going through the battlefield and you finally see that. What is it, Revelation 6:10. Did I put that up there? And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? That's what they're crying out now to God, isn't it? How, how long? They're, and when we think about uh, this vindication, you know, we think about this person hurt my feelings, or this person said this. These are individuals cried out. They sawed me in two. They they tore my body apart. They fed me to the lions. They they drugged me through the streets. They I mean, you start thinking about this kind of of Go read what is it the end, the about the end of the chapter of Hebrews ten when it talks about how all these individual things they went through and and they didn't even see the promise. You know, on the first part of it where you know when it, you start trying to add all these puzzle pieces through, you realize. Where do we fit into this? You know, God, I want you to do this because of what they done. How, how long, as they said here, how long are you going to avenge our blood? It's not because of, it's because of the wickedness that he's going to do this. And just like he told about them going into the land, don't think I'm doing this because you're, something, you're still a stiff-necked people. I'm doing this because of their wickedness. It's their wickedness is what's being punished. It's not your righteousness that's being rewarded to them do, for me doing this to it, And it's sometimes hard to separate that, isn't it? We like to think, oh, get them, God, because of me. <laughs> you know, go, go after them. Well, it is at a sense, but as he says here, it's because of their wickedness. But that's, now let's put this down on an earthly level. That's the purpose of the government, isn't it? Isn't that what Paul says about Romans? If we do right, we don't need to fear them. But if we don't, what is their responsibility, government's responsibility to the wicked? is to punish them. That, that's, they, 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 there's an earthly consequence for actions. Well, if they don't live up to their part and their part now is they're wicked and they're doing wickedness, then that whole system is broke down and it's not accomplishing what God attended, intended for it to accomplish. And that's what you see in different uh, areas of time. You see it through the book of the Old Testament, books of the Old Testament, you see it throughout hi- our history books, you see it going on now. You know, when, when governing bodies, again, whether it's governing bodies of a nation all the way down to the home. If the home structure is not what it's supposed to be, it's not going to accomplish what it's supposed to be, is it? If the, tru- the church's structure is not what it's supposed to be and the leadership isn't what it should be, you're going to see the, the, the crumbling of, of congregations. When you go into cities and towns, it's the same thing. It's, God sets these things up for a purpose, for a reason, and our responsibility is to live up to that. So the question is, and that's where I struggle with Psalms here, as David starts out in the beginning, he calls them out on this. So is it right to call them out on it? Is it right to say something about it? You know, is it right to do something about it? How, you know, how, how far do you take that? I think sometimes we just want to mumble and complain, but there is a, a point to where Christians have to say, you're not doing right, there needs to be something to change with this, you know. But, but by the same token, and I think this is going back to what Burton was kind of referring to a little bit, God sets these things in motion and God uses things that are happening you know, you take what's going on here, God's allowing that to happen under Saul's ruler, rulership against David and everything that's going on there. So, God's well aware of this, and God's going to take care of that. But it's just not maybe in the process that we think it should be somehow. No.
2: He can get activated enough to act, and we need to be careful
0: what we do. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, as Christians, I think we've got a, an awesome responsibility to follow what God says, of course, but we still live in this world that's full of evil, and we've got to figure out how to navigate that and what our purpose is in that, what our uh, responsibility is to that. You know, uh, on this trip Tanya and I was on, there was a lot of things that brought to my mind on government issues and thinking, this is what you get. You know, when you you have situations like that, you're going to get these kind of situations. And some of that I'm thinking, I'm glad we're not at that point yet, but we're headed this way on some of the stuff you see. You know, but you start thinking okay what is there when you start seeing individuals do this what is your responsibility as a Christian toward that you know we were just thinking we were where were we I don't know my days are mixed up going through Glacier Bay where you just kind of coast through there and see everything I mean they just kept coming on on the announcements on the announcements on don't feed anything don't have anything out don't feed a bird don't feed any animals don't feed and it's because it will upset the natural system of things, and they'll become dependent on it. And Tanya just looked at me and said, why can't our government understand that? I'm thinking, that's true. Why can't they? Because you know? it, it, when you do that, it, you, know, you start thinking about all these different issues, and you start thinking, okay, how far do you... And then, and then studying this Psalm too, I'm thinking, you know, David's dealing with the same thing we deal with today you know, when it comes to the different things of leadership, people that are over you, and you've got to tread that line of respect and following God. You know, respect for the governing bodies that God put there, but also follow God. And when you get individuals that David is describing here, that they're so intent is wickedness. So David here is, is, is you know turns his attention from talking to them, to, from describing them, from talking to God and saying, "Stop this, stop what they're doing." You know, when they pull that bow, you just make it like it's blunt, as some version says, where it doesn't do anything. You know, you, whatever means that they're using, stop it. You know, and, and I think it's probably high time Christians pray that way, isn't it? You know, to stop that wickedness. Not to make it, uh, uh, you know, notice, I think David's careful here. Is he, talk, is he telling God to destroy the person or their actions? To stop their actions. You know, I think David is... is is careful here of how he does that it's the actions that he's talking about what, he describes the individual of why they're doing the actions but when he tells when he's talking to god here about this it's stop their actions stop as jeff was saying stop the means in which they're using to accomplish this um and i think that's where the difference of of, of vengeance and vindication and and praying to god against your enemies can I love my enemies but want God to stop their actions? Can I follow what Jesus says but still have the attitude of David here at the same time? Or is it two totally different situations? Did, did Jesus come, as one used to say in Bible class, I used to teach, he'd always say, is this, is this before Jesus come on the scene or after Jesus come on the scene? Every question he asked is that before Jesus come on the scene? Well, when Jesus come on the scene, did he change everything around from what David was saying? Is it different in old Testament and new Testament? Or are they saying the same thing? I've made that some
1: at about I love my
0: My wife tells me that a lot too. God says, I've got to love you, never said anything about liking you. And so you might want to leave at this moment for a little while, and then I may like you again. Uh, but, but I think that's true. I think I can pray for my enemies to change, to, to, to see the truth, but I can also pray to God to stop their actions of what they're trying to do. Um, and again, I think that's a, a, a line we've got to make sure that we don't cross. Just like with our government, I can pray that their actions stop and I can stand up against and try to make a change and, and, and try to vote different and get this one wicked out and maybe this less wicked in. I don't know. I don't know if there's ever one that's not wicked anymore. But I've got to be careful not to take that too far either, that I can become unchristian when it comes, as they say, you know, when it comes to it. So uh, if you notice how David progresses with this, you know, David is, is upset with what they're doing and he's calling them out on it, which is, I think, perfectly reasonable, then he describes this is who they are, and then he talks to God about stop what they're doing. And once you do that, that it's and and I think he's talking more too in the future of there's gonna be a time when, you know, it's gonna be like walking through the battlefield and now the battle's over. You've got this adrenaline rush of of how how hard it's been and how, how it seemed like this battle is constantly going on. But there's going to be a time when that's not going to be anymore, right? There's going to be a time when there is that that vindication of it. Uh, uh, Where did we get to here? Uh, Yeah, verse 10. He says, The righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance. Um, He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that men will say, Surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely he is God who judges in the earth. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a time where we're gonna say, well, I just think it's like the day of judgment. You know, if you were to hear, and that's what we all uh, should have a surety of, is hear God say, "Well done, good and faithful servant." When you hear those words, what kind of feeling will you have? Will it be a sense of relief? Will it be of, oh, it was all worth it? Uh, and or will it be of, you know, looking over, maybe seeing your enemies and saying. Nothing you could do to stop this. You know, this, this, is, this is it. Uh, I mean, what, what, would, what would that be like? Would there be a sense of satisfaction? You know, that's why when you get into, you can get into a whole lesson of, of what will you know, what will you not know, what, what sense of faculty we have. Well I, well, I think the Bible teaches we'll have a perfect sense of, of faculty. Now, how God's going to change some things, I don't know. But if I get a reward and don't understand why I got that reward, is it really a reward, you know, is it really, you know, what is it really going to be, you know, um, if somebody says, here you got, you know, here's your reward for this, well, well, do I remember what that's for, or I just know that it's, you know, is it like taking candy from a, a child that's had candy for five years, or a, a child here that's never had candy, do they really miss it, you know, it's, it, it, you get in this play on words, but I, I, I tend to believe that there's going to be this sense of this was worth it. You know, this is, it, it, was, all, it was all worth it, you know. It's almost like, uh, I can remember both my daughters got married. I can remember, there, you know, after the wedding of each one thinking, you know, boy, it was hard to get to this point. You know, you start thinking of all the parenting that you did, good, bad, or indifferent. That get them to a, a point of marriage or starting their own family, there's a sense of relief there. You know, I think as a parent, there's a sense of, whew, you know, all this is worth it. All this got to this point. I think there, there's moments in our life to where we're, we're like that, that all this sacrifice that you made was worth it for this. And I think heaven's going to be the ultimate part of that. So when you you, you read these things of David as he describes what he's going through and, and the things. I tell you, I, I get a great sense of peace going through this psalms of, of thinking, you know, okay, maybe it is all right to have these feelings of, God, I want you to stop this wickedness. It's all right to pray against wickedness. It's all right to pray against uh, individuals that, that are, are, are trying harm against us of their actions. You know, sometimes we take Jesus saying, you've got to love your enemies, love those who... Per-. As, as Judy said, I can love them and not like what they're doing, and want God to change what they're doing. But we have to make sure we keep it in that perspective and not in a, a vengeful, hateful, you know, uh, area. I think it's okay to pray for God to
1: destroy I mean think about
0: that is there going to come a time on this earth when God knows there's not another person that's going to repent you know what happens at that time you know God's going to know if that person you know you think about uh, the Bible talks about whosoever will come to them there's going to be a time when there's not going to you just take Noah's day you know these individuals thought evil continuously can you imagine what that world was like would you like to be out on your you know, back porch drinking coffee in a world like that? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it had to be just miserable if their intent constantly was evil. Not just occasionally, constantly was evil. And uh, I, I think that's some things we need to consider and think about. But go back and, and, and study this and kind of read some of the things with David. I think it will help us uh, a great deal on how to deal with some of the things we face today.